Hello, and welcome to the Relatable Homeschoolers Podcast, where four homeschooling mamas with a combined 32 years of experience homeschooling our 12 kids, and our homeschools are anything but Pinterest perfect. Whether you are a veteran homeschooler, a new homeschooler, or just homeschool curious, we want to encourage you in your homeschooling journey and offer you practical tips and tools to make your homeschooling life easier. We're so glad you're here. I'm Harmony Harkema. My co-hosts are Annie Carlson, Heather Gerwing, and Lindsay Hufford. Hi. I'm Heather Gerwing, and today we are going to be talking about homeschooling and being a working mom. I'm going to be interviewing my three co-hosts, Annie, Lindsay, and Harmony, and they're going to share with you about how they homeschool and handle full-time work. Annie, will you share with us what you do for work? I absolutely will. Um, We have a farm here in North Dakota and we raise grass-fed meat. My husband currently works off-farm, so I am the full-time farmer. The kids and I are doing the chores, we're moving the animals, we're calving, we're lambing, we're hatching chicks. And then I also am a part-time pastor for our church parish. So I'm preaching every Sunday and that's about 25 hours per week of time. I teach some Bible studies and those sorts of things. And then a friend of mine owns our local grocery store and she needed a baker. So for the past year and change, I have worked uh, three early mornings a week doing the baking and deli for our local grocery store. That is a lot of work. (laughs) And he has three jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Lindsay, what about you? What is your work? So I am a flower farmer and floral designer. We farm our property. So I farm on about a quarter acre and I grow specialty cut flowers. So a little bit different stuff than you can find at a grocery store for the most part. And in addition to that, I've started to do some floral design for events and weddings. It's seasonal work, so it changes. But I was actually just figuring out today that really the season runs February through November. So it's a pretty long season. I get a few months off in the winter. My daily tasks look like either starting seeds, caring for seedlings, weeding, watering, cutting flowers, designing with the flowers, making bouquets, and then also doing all the back-end web work to keep my website up and marketing, things like that. Yes. You mentioned you were off in January and February, but you are also the local elderberry dealer. (laughs) That's true. That's true. That's my elderberry syrup season. And we started early this year. So I've already got that on uh, my agenda as well. And Harmony, what about you? I work full-time, 40 hours a week, roughly eight to five for a publishing company. I have a hybrid job. I'm part editor and part what I would call managing editor and do a lot of different things at the publishing house. But that means that I work from home on the computer, a normal 40-hour corporate schedule. Thanks, ladies. I know the first question that probably comes into everyone's minds when they think of somebody working full-time and homeschooling is how do you handle that? So why don't you share what homeschooling looks like in your home? So whether it's at home or on the road, what your schedule looks like, just basically if somebody was to ask you, how do you do that? How do you work and homeschool? How would you answer that? Harmony, do you want to start? Sure. My homeschool life has to work around my corporate schedule. What that looks like is homeschooling in pockets for us. I do an early morning pocket before I begin the workday. My daughters are four and eight and they get up pretty early. And then I do a pocket around lunchtime. 
And then my older daughter, actually my younger daughter too now, they have independent work that they work on. They actually have chairs at my desk in my office and they come and sit with me in the afternoons and do their independent work. That combination works well for us. We also homeschool some on the weekends. If I have really busy days and there are things that we just don't get to during our normal blocks of time, sometimes we do some homeschooling after dinner in the evenings. We also do read alouds before bed. So that I consider part of our homeschool day. And then if we have field trips or outdoor things or just hands-on messy stuff that we want to do, like they will do art projects and baking projects and those kinds of things. We do those typically on the weekends. So our homeschool is not just relevant to Monday through Friday, it can be seven days a week sometimes. I usually end up homeschooling year-round just in order to get in everything and to have flexibility the rest of the year. What about you, Annie? What does your homeschool look like while you're working and working the farm? Well, it varies. And so we have a fair amount of seasonality to our homeschool. So in the wintertime in North Dakota, basically from October to April, we just have much less work on the farm. We just have our breeding animals and, you know, we streamline the amount of work that that entails. And so we're not outside as much. We still have to be outside to take care of them, but we're not outside working as much. Therefore, we have more time inside to do different types of projects, maybe a unit study or something. During the wintertime, I usually have an art or a craft that we do per month. Um, We'll just do some paper making or we'll do origami or crochet, trying to introduce a new skill. And if the kids like it and they want to keep doing it and do a different project, they sure can. Or if they say, you know what, I didn't really enjoy that, then we can let it go. We also travel a fair amount. I serve on a few boards and have to attend meetings and those sorts of things. And so my kids have portable school. I give my kids their weekly work. They get a folder on Monday mornings when I'm at the store and they start whatever they want to start with. And it needs to be done by Saturday night. If it's not done by Friday night, then they have to work with me at the kitchen table on Saturday. And that is not their favorite. I don't have a required place for them to do work. They can do it on their bed. They can do it on my bed. They can do it on the trampoline. I don't care. But if you're not done by Friday night, then you have to do it with me on Saturday. All right. And Lindsay, what about you? What does homeschooling and working look like for you in the height of flower season? Sure. So summer is really busy with the flowers. I'm usually up um, about 530 in the morning. I'm out in the flower fields by six most mornings to get out and water and cut early. My kids are still usually asleep at that point. So I'm able to get a fair amount of my work for the day done. I'm usually out there for about two hours in the morning, about six to eight. And then around eight, my kids are starting to wake up and have their breakfast. They are pretty self-directed in the summer. And we also do a lighter schedule in the summer. Or so reading, math, and some handwriting is the only thing I'm requiring every day. They're using workbooks to do the math and the handwriting. And then the reading is pretty much their choice right now, especially for my 12-year-old and my 10-year-old. My seven-year-old is still learning to read. So he and I will then usually link up after breakfast and we'll do some reading practice together and then just something for fun to just read something for fun. So really in the summer, they are done, you know, maybe an hour max for school time. In the fall and the spring, 
in the winter, we add in, you know, additional subjects then like spelling, science, history, any co-op work we have to do. In general, that is a lighter season for me as far as my work requirements go. The small exception of that is September and October are still really busy flower months here. And those are also the beginning of the school year. Last year was my first year full-time flower farming. In addition to homeschooling, I've learned a lot of lessons along the way. Some of the stuff that other ladies have already talked about, just using any spare minute to get something worked in there for schools, listening to audiobooks of our books that we're reading in the car, driving to co-op, having a little more flexibility with our schedule. So maybe sometimes we would do something in the evening. We don't usually end up doing weekends too much, but I have found that one of the nice things about flower farming is the busy flower farming season is the slow homeschool season and vice versa. So it's been really nice to find a seasonal job that I can do from home that still allows us to homeschool. Yes, that's awesome. Talk to me about you with the farm. I know your kids have work to do on the farm as well. How does doing the farm chores relate to your homeschool as part of your life? Well, part of it is just that's what we do as a family. Each of my kids has a animal or group of animals that are theirs that they have bought with their own money that they are in charge of caring for. And so it makes it really easy to get them outside to do chores when they have their own responsibilities to care for. So that helps not just do this because this is what mom and dad do. They want to be out there and take care of their own animals. And part of the farm is that they can sell things. My daughter bought a horse and earned most of that money selling cookies as a small child. And then as she got older, she started making lefse, which is like a Norwegian heritage food, and selling that and was able to save up her money to buy her own horse. So our farm gives the kids an opportunity not just to be outside in nature, exploring and doing things, which is absolutely a plus to the homeschool experience. But it also teaches them some responsibility. It teaches them some entrepreneurship. It's really easy to teach botany out in the garden. It's really easy to teach animal classification when we're comparing a turkey to a cow. You know, what are the similarities? What are the differences? It makes those first years of science pretty easy. I don't use a particular science curriculum. It's called Outside. We have a crate full of field guides. If we're out walking our pasture and we see an insect that we don't recognize, we will either sketch it or I'll take a picture with my phone and we'll bring it in. We'll dig out the guides and try to figure out what it is. I use the farm as literally a living laboratory for my kids. I love that. That's so awesome. Harmony, now I know you are somewhat Charlotte Mason, and that's heavy on the habit training. Why don't you share some of that? Yeah, Charlotte Mason is heavy on habit training and in all kind of habits, whether that is washing your hands or learning how to set the table properly, making your bed in the morning. So I should caveat with this. I work a corporate job, and I realized I didn't clarify. I work from my home. I have worked from my home for eight years since my husband went to graduate school, and we moved away from where my corporate office is. I actually came back from maternity leave with my oldest daughter to my home office. 
office rather than to the corporate office. So my daughters have never known anything other than that mom works from home. When my oldest was tiny, it was in a little tiny makeshift cubicle in the corner of our living room. And then I have had a home office in the last two houses we've lived in where I could actually, you know, shut the door when I need to. But they have always been in an environment where they've known I have work calls sometimes or conference video that I need to be on for a limited amount of time. I set that up at the beginning of the day. I tell them, this is mom's schedule today. I have a meeting at this time and this time. So during those times, they know that there are certain activities that they can engage in, like puzzles. They can't be in my office. I usually ask them to be elsewhere in the house. They're still always within earshot, but they're old enough now, both of them, where they can handle themselves and they know what's expected of them. They do a really good job of that. There are occasionally there are meltdowns, which is what mute is for, right? <laughs> And it's been really interesting to watch other people grappling with this during the coronavirus. Everyone in my company is working from home. We actually have a lot more video calls now than we did prior to that. It was always just phone conference calls. And now everyone is on video all the time. But sometimes, you know, a four-year-old will come blasting into my office and I hit the mute button and say, you have to go out. Mommy's on the phone. And I have actually a handy headset that lights up red. So they know when I'm on a call, they can visually see it. And they also know that there will be a consequence there will be some kind of a disciplinary consequence, whether that's a timeout or a privilege that they lose if they misbehave. But we've been working on that from the beginning. So I can imagine for parents who are new to this with kids at home, it takes some time to get kids adjusted to that. But I think what I would say to those parents is set those expectations, communicate with your kids every morning. This is what my day looks like. I actually have a sign that hangs on my office door with the poster tack. It says, mom is on a work call. You must wait. <laughs> they have to stay out. I also have had outside help. I have had a lot of success with having homeschooled high school girls come in and help me out in the mornings. So my younger daughter still naps in the afternoon. I'm sure that won't last much longer. And so I've always had help for her in the morning from the time she was an infant. That has been really great. I have had great success with their level of responsibility. There's no shame in getting help if you can. And I realize during this time, that's hard to do. It's hard to think of bringing someone into your home. But if there's someone who's in a conservative circle, they're doing the same kind of self-quarantining that you are, that might be an option is to have someone come in a few hours a day for your busy times. If you have a good amount of control over your schedule to schedule meetings during you know, a block of time or on a certain day of the week and to get some extra help. And I know some parents, both parents are home right now. And so you have two adults in the house and you can kind of juggle things. You make a good point there talking about the outside help and having someone come in. I think as a homeschooling mom who's not even working, I consider I have help because I don't teach my kids every single subject. They take online classes. Uh, Lindsay, do you want to share some about how outside help also looks to a homeschool mom, whether it's somebody coming in your home and assisting you with your kids, but how maybe outsourcing some things look? Sure. And I think it's a misconception when a lot of people start homeschooling that we think as homeschooling parents, like, oh, the entire weight of my child's education rests on my shoulders. And that's not necessarily true. I I think that the OG homeschoolers back in the day, like they really did have to do a lot of it themselves. But now because of co-ops and internet and the rise in popularity of homeschooling, there are so many resources out there. I always view it as I like to play to my strength. So I really enjoy literature, language arts, and science. They were my favorite subjects in school and they continue to be my favorite subjects to teach. 
math I did well in, but it's not my favorite to teach just because I think it tends to be a challenging subject for my kids. And a lot of time there's tears involved and we try to minimize the tears if possible. So that has meant also adjusting my expectations of what math is going to look like. And a couple of my kids are slightly behind grade level and I'm okay with that because grade level doesn't really matter to me. It matters that they're understanding concepts. One of the curriculums we use for one of my children is called teaching textbooks. He literally gets on the computer. The whole lesson is taught to him online. He does practice problems online and he takes the tests online. And then I get a little report out when he's done. And there are times where he brings me in and says, I don't understand this. Can you explain it a different way? Or we'll watch the lesson together. But for the most part, unless it's a really challenging or like a brand new concept, he's able to just do that on his own and which he really loves computers. So it's a really good fit for him too. My younger kids, especially when you're just learning kind of like the basic four operations and stuff like that, that I've been able to do just fine. But as my oldest gets older, and it will all three of them get older, I just know I'm going to need more help in the math department. We're part of a co-op as well. Like you mentioned, Heather, co-ops are great. And my kids have done their science at co-op for the last few years, uh, mostly just because I do feel like science is a subject that can benefit from being learned in a group. And whether that group is your sibling group or a class, I think that it can go either way. But also the co-op just has more resources than I do. So I'm not out scrambling on top of working and homeschooling the kids, trying to find all the ingredients for an experiment. They have been able to do that at co-op. And that's been a good fit for our family. I also tend to outsource art to a co-op because I'm just not an art mom. I don't really love projects. I don't love the mess. Glitter is not even allowed in our house at all because I just don't want to deal with it. And they can get as messy as they want at co-op. Same thing. They have a lot of great resources there. It's just more beneficial for the kids and for me when I feel like I can really focus on the things that I do well. And I can utilize the people in my community who do other things well, and we can work together to give my kids a really well-rounded education. Your co-op is a drop-off co-op, right? So you don't have to teach. Yes, it is. It's beautiful. I will say, I know that there aren't a lot of them out there. Actually, that's a great point, Harmony, because I have one day a week kid-free, which is rare for homeschoolers. This year, it will only be four hours, and that will be, you know, like knock on wood, as long as our state (laughs) maintains our current coronavirus level. But that is huge for me to have one day to schedule appointments or run errands. Or honestly, sometimes I just sit and watch Netflix for like three hours and eat snacks by myself because I need a mental health day. And the people who teach the classes at the co-op are phenomenal. And we've had such great success with it. I'm jealous, but... I'm sorry. I know. It's like a unicorn. (laughs) Uh, Yes. The drop-off co-op. Okay. So I'm listening to the three of you and I gather that from what you've all said, you homeschool year round, you might go lighter at different parts of the year. Homeschooling year round, you're obviously getting in any requirements that your state is putting on you, whether it's days or hours or anything like that. But I still feel like there's a level of discipline as a working mom and a homeschool mom that you have to have. So talk to me mom to mom, what that discipline looks like for you in your life and how do you handle or prioritize different obligations that you might have or, you know, when things come up again, each other. How do you handle that? Who wants to go first? I can go first. I do have to have a lot of discipline 
I have to have discipline about getting up in the morning so that I can have myself together. I also am a firm believer in good self-care and in not being able to pour out from an empty well. I try to get up every day at five. I have an hour with my coffee. I do some reading of my own and then I exercise and I take a shower and get ready for the day. That is always my goal. I don't always make it to like makeup and styled hair, but I do try to get those things done in the morning. And then I have poured into myself and I'm energized and I'm ready by the time the kids are rolling. And sometimes they get up really early too. There are days when they're up at six. There are days when they're up at 6.30. My oldest is a slow waker. My little one rolls out of bed and is like ready to go kickboxing. So two totally different personalities. Along with that... I also have to make sure that I make the most of the times that we do have. So like that morning block, if I get caught up in something else or there is somebody spills milk all over the kitchen floor, you know, that can derail the whole day. But I've learned to just be able to kind of take those. You got to roll with the punches. So you do a combination of giving yourself discipline and having some organizational tools in place and saying, this is my daily schedule. And then also knowing that crisis can erupt any moment. (laughs) There was yogurt all over my kitchen floor this morning for example, and required the floor to be mopped, which wasn't planned. So these things happen all the time. When your kids are home, stuff happens. Also for discipline, I try to do a lot of planning on the weekend to prepare for the week ahead. I meal plan. I use tools to grocery shop. I started using a pickup grocery service. I pick up my groceries while the girls are at dance class every week during the school year. I put in my order and I meal plan from that day. So from that day to the next week. And I haven't been inside a grocery store other than Costco in five years. I just have no shame in that. It's worth the $5 to me. So I try to put efficiencies and tools in place to make sure that everything is in good order for the week so that we can stay on track. Annie, what about you? I know you said you put folders together for your kids at the beginning of the week. But how was that when they were younger and you were still running a farm when they weren't at an age to take a folder and just run with it? How did that look and how did that reply discipline? And even now, I think of you having three work commitments and homeschooling on top of that. And I'm just blown away because personally, I get engrossed in a good book and I'm just like, whatever, kids, we'll, we'll get to it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, part of it is our curriculum. So we generally follow what's called the Robinson curriculum, which focuses on reading, writing, and mathematics. So when my kids were little, we focused on learning to read and learning our math facts. And then once they're reading and once they know their math fact, you can start the curriculum. You know, that that's the stepping stone to the curriculum. And then the Robinson curriculum, the reason it appealed to me is that it was self-teaching and self-paced. So my kids can go at their own pace. And if they need to review something, they have the time, they have the structure to be able to do that. Like Harmony said, it requires some self-discipline, which is involved in training. My older two are kind of go get and they will get their work done fairly promptly. They have a question or they leave a couple problems to get some help on, but they generally are pretty self-starting. But my last one, boy, she could just while away the day and then completely melt down because there's too much work. So it's self-discipline and training and checking in with her. Have you done your handwriting? Have you done your math? And just kind of touching base with her.
folder and checking in. I work six weeks at a time. So I have six folders and I'm sitting at my desk looking at them right now. This year, the colors are purple, green, and yellow. So I know whose folder belongs to who. And I will line out six weeks of work at a time. And I do it on my bed and I have a crate with all of our curriculum materials in it. And so then I only organize curriculum every six weeks. Um, like I said, my kids bring it back to me. It's due Saturday night. It needs to be on my desk. That gives me Sunday afternoon or evening to review it. My expectation for my kids is 90% mastery. So if they do a math lesson, for example, and there are 30 problems and they get 10 of them wrong, that's not just, oh, well, try again better next time. It's no, you need to go back and redo this lesson because clearly you've missed something. That gives them the feedback that they need where they have made mistakes. I will correct their copy work. I will correct their spelling. And if there are too many errors, again, they need to redo it. So it's self-pacing. And how many times do you want to rewrite the same paragraph? Well, that determines how much time and effort you put on doing it right the first time. So there are some painful lessons in this training process. There have been things that certain children have missed out on because they were not done on time. But you only have to do that a few times and they start getting it like, oh, mom was serious. She really does expect that to be done. It doesn't take much training. It has to be consistent. So if you have something planned, uh, we have Sunday night movie night in our house. And if they aren't done by Saturday night, then they forfeit Sunday night movie night. So during the week, if they're working on something and they need you, they can come to you and get help if they need it. Or yes. are they expected to do everything on their own and then they get the feedback from you? Nope. They can ask me for help. Like we use Saxon math. So if they are reading a section math lesson and they kind of push the book across the table and say, I don't understand any of this. Well, that's not true. You do understand part of it. What specific part do you not understand? As much as I would love to sit and do math with my kids because I enjoy math, I have to sit back and say, show me your work. Show me how you attempted to solve the problem. And then I can help you with it. Just having a dialogue with your kids. Sometimes I expect too much out of them and they'll tell me like, wow, mom, this was a lot. I don't know if I can finish this. And if I see that they've been putting forth some good effort, if I see that they've been working on it for a while, then we can adjust that. That's the beauty of homeschooling is that you can respond to what your kids need, not necessarily to some sort of arbitrary timeline or, well, most of the class has it, so we're going to move on that I dealt with as a public school teacher. That's great insight, Annie. Thanks. What about you, Lindsay? How do you prioritize obligations to be sure everything gets done. I own my own business and it's a very small business. So I have a lot more flexibility than somebody like Harmony because I don't have coworkers. Um, I'm not really relying on anyone else's schedule. I set my own schedule. So I think that does help. I don't have maybe as many priorities conflicting with homeschooling. I decided when I was going to start my business that I would only do it if I could continue homeschooling at the same level of excellence that I had been doing it in previous years. So that was really important to me that the homeschooling not kind of fall by the wayside so that I could run the flower business. I think communication is a huge part of that. So Annie and Harmony both touched on that a little bit too. Communicating with my kids. For example, Thursday mornings, I do deliveries of bouquets to our local area. I am up and I'm usually out of the house by seven. And my kids know that I will be gone for usually about two hours and that they are in that time supposed to wake up. Sometimes my 12-year-old is still just getting out of bed if I'm getting home at nine. But the younger two are usually up by then, dressed, beds made 
eat some breakfast and get started on your work. I'm able to do that right now. I have to say as well, because my husband is working from home. So this year's deliveries have gone much more smoothly than last year's because there is another adult in the house keeping them accountable who knows their schedule as well. And that's a part of the communication piece is communicating with my husband about kind of what I expect from the kids in that little short period of time where I'm gone in the mornings. Also just I have to know when to say no to things that come up. I have a wedding that I'm going to be doing in September and I'm really only able to do it because I don't have to be there to take all of the florals down when I'm done. So I just have to set up and then I can go because otherwise I think it would interrupt our homeschooling schedule quite a bit because it's a little bit further away of a wedding. So I've had to say no to some things and that's okay. There will be a time where my kids are not in my house anymore and I will have, you know, a wide open schedule to flower all the weddings that I want. But right now is not that season. And other than that, I think trying to be flexible with the homeschooling has been good too, that when something isn't working, I can look at my work priorities and my homeschool priorities and say, maybe I don't have to say no to this thing, but how can I be more flexible? You know, on Thursday mornings, other than the kids doing all that little bit of work, I don't usually do reading instruction with my seven-year-old. We'll move that to the afternoon because I'm gone in the mornings. Well, and just to be fair too and to give you full credit here because I don't feel like you're giving full credit to yourself. You also commit ahead of time to having flowers out at your flower stand the next morning and you tell people there's going to be bouquets, they're going to be out there by this time. So you have some discipline involved too in getting out there in the morning, getting flowers into the buckets, getting your prices set up and whatever else you're doing, however people are paying. I know you used to have a cash box or something out there. You've got those disciplinary things too. You're driven by weather as well. Like you, I know you and Nathan have to obey the weather for when it's time to plant, when it's time to harvest, when they have to be picked, they have to be picked, right? So you're driven too by nature in a big way and have to be able to respond to that. And I think that requires a level of flexibility for you. Yeah, I think so much of that. I don't even think about it sometimes because we've been doing it for a while now. So you kind of go on autopilot, but you are correct. There are a lot of um, external factors, weather being the biggest one that I have to be really flexible about. Last spring, we had just a swamp of a spring. We had so much rain. It was like historic levels. So everything kind of got planted out late and I had several flower beds just wash out. This year, on the other hand, I think it's rained four times all summer. So I am really, really happy we put in the drip irrigation, but it has made us be a little more flexible with some of our timing. Harmony, talking about flexibility, I know you are probably the one with the least amount of flexibility because of working in the corporate world. Talk to me a little bit. I know you guys have your donut days and I know you take (laughs) a lot of field trips. So how do you make that stuff work for you and your family? Yeah, we haven't had many donut days since the start of the pandemic. We've just had a couple because our favorite donut place in Memphis is takeout only. We've had a couple mornings where we'll drive over there and I'll run in and grab the donuts and and we'll come back out and head over to the Botanic Gardens. We did have a really good field trip thing going. In the summers, traditionally, my company does what we call summer Fridays, and everybody gets basically a half day. So the workday is from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. I have traditionally flipped that day. So I'm part of a team of three people that need to respond to certain problems that come up and be available. Someone always really needs to be on call. So we all try not to be off on the same days, and we coordinate our vacation time. And so I flopped so that I have the mornings 
mornings off and I'm the one who's on call in the afternoon every summer until this summer. And now because of COVID, my company decided we're not going to do that. They're just giving people a lot of flexibility in general. But traditionally, I would use those summer Friday mornings and we would do some kind of an outing to a museum or botanic gardens. We're members there. We're members at the zoo. I try to do a lot of family memberships to places where we can go for enrichment. What I also do is I use my paid time off. So vacation time, I have a good bank of vacation time that starts new every January. And I do actually a lot of half days in order to get my girls to classes and events in the past. And all of this is on hiatus right now. I should caveat with that. We don't think there's much going on locally in the fall for you to go do in person, but there's a huge homeschooling population in Memphis. And so all of the the local history museum, the art museum, the botanic gardens, the zoo, all have homeschool classes during the school year, usually one a month. They're very reasonable priced. There are also days that are free entry. I buy memberships because that allows me the flexibility to choose when we go. A lot of homeschool families will only go to the zoo on Tuesday because that's the free day or they will only go to the local history museum on, I think it's Monday, and I flex out my time and and use vacation days. So often I pull a half day and I manage to make my vacation time spread really far and then still have actual vacations with my family. So that is a choice that I make. I mean, I homeschool because I love it and I do this juggling act because I love it. And I would not trade it. I am willing to spend some of my vacation time and my personal time doing things with my kids. thought of one more thing and I'm thinking if I'm thinking it maybe other moms are thinking it too being a working homeschool mom how much or maybe if you want to give a percent what do the dads contribute in you to your homeschooling it's changed a little bit recently so my husband has been home since March he works for an automaker in Detroit and he's in finance so we were very fortunate that most of his work could be done from home it's been fun to have him home if I had to say a percentage I probably do 90 and he does 10 because he's still working during the day so he's a little less flexibility than I do because he's in a lot of meetings right now I think because of covid things are taking a little bit longer too because everything is online and via zoom and email so meetings that would be pretty quick and short in the office are now quite a bit longer. One example is we are kind of doing some remedial handwriting work with our oldest child. He and I would butt heads on that a lot. So my husband stepped in and said he would be in charge of being like the handwriting checker. That's one thing our oldest knows that he's accountable to dad to take that on. And it's been nice. I know that this is only a season and it won't last forever, but it's been fun for me to have him step in to a few things. And I think it's given him a greater appreciation for what I do with the kids at home. That's a great idea. I struggle with one student on their handwriting and I think I'm going to follow that. Anybody else? Dad's in the homeschool? John is very active on the farm also. Even though he does work off farm, he comes home and then he gets to work here. So he does a lot of hands-on stuff with the kids. They do a lot of vehicle maintenance and repair um, with tractors and trucks and the cars that we have. There's plenty to maintain. So he brings the kids out and gets them started on that. He also serves as our principal. So if I have butted heads with a kid or just we've had a hard day, he needs to come in and play the role of the principal. And whether it's mediate between 
me and the kids. Like, this is what your mom has asked you to do. And it's a sign of respect for her that you do what she asked you to do when she asked you to do it. You know, just having somebody who wasn't there to listen to both sides and kind of mediate between us is helpful. Tempers can get hot when you're together all day long. So just having somebody come in with fresh eyes and a love for all of us kind of give a calm reassurance. And sometimes he works as a scribe for my kids. So if they're doing a math worksheet, say it's like 60 addition problems, and they'll say, dad, will you do my math with me? And then he will quiz them. What's six plus six? And then they'll say 12. And then he'll write down 12. And it's fun. The kids are still getting their math facts practice in, but they wait for dad to come home because he makes it fun. John just provides that calmness for us when we have had kind of a riot of a day and then also provides that element of fun. My husband was actually a little skeptical at the beginning when I told him I wanted to homeschool, he was worried about socialization and is this going to make our kids weird? Are they going to know how to act in public? And over the past five years that we've been homeschooling, he has turned completely a 180 and he is now probably our biggest supporter. He sees the benefits. He sees how our girls are thriving, how much they're learning. They love when he comes home, they got to tell him everything they did today and the connections they made and what they read. He likes to do things with them that he loves to do. So when I met him, he was an ex-amateur race car driver. He used to have a race car and do local NASCAR type racing. And so he would love it if they wanted to race cars or ride motorcycles and things like that. But he's also a hunter. So he bought my oldest daughter her own bow and arrow in Target. And he also bought a BB gun, an air rifle, and they go in the backyard and shoot guns and arrows. So I love that she's learning archery. She's actually kind of a crack shot at both, which is really kind of fun. And she feels a great deal of pleasure and satisfaction in that and having something to do with her dad. So I'm like, archery, that counts as PE. That's awesome. And it's also very kind of historic and renaissance-y and I like that for her. And I think my youngest will probably do the same. They also play Xbox together and get a lot out of that, have done just some really fun kind of learning type games. He's got a hunting game that is in different countries and continents, and they've learned to identify all the animals and their tracks, and it's all very realistic and what their calls sound like. So they're like getting this whole sort of weird outdoor experience through gaming. And I never thought my daughters would be into gaming, but they do that with their dad. So they have their things that they do with him that are sort of enriching and he leaves the bulk of the curriculum to me but he is also kind of I guess that principal role where if he comes home and he can tell I'm fried then he will step in and take over John and, and I John and I have a code word or code phrase oh that's a good I say, idea I'm tapping out <laughs> like WWE wrestlers like I'm tapping out you're in charge that's awesome. I know in our home, you all know me so well, and you know I don't do science. So if my kids have any science questions, they have to go to dad because they just know mom is not the science person. But also every night at dinner, my husband will ask the kids, what did you learn today? I just really like that. It keeps him connected as to what they're doing and what they're learning about. You three have provided such rich insight to how you can be a working mom and homeschool your kids well. I want to finish with just a word of advice. So if you could give encouragement or a word of advice to a mom who works and is going to be homeschooling, what would you say to them? Annie, we'll start with you. 
I served on a nonprofit board for six years, which required a fair amount of travel in our tri-state area. And I didn't bring my kids along at first. One of the other board members at the time kind of got on my case about it. And she said, your children need to see you serving. They need to understand that this is what a good human being does is serve others. That kind of just stuck with me. My kids need to see me serving, not, oh, you're going to go to grandma's today because mom has a meeting. Why do I go to these meetings? And why is it important? And who are we helping? So after that, I took my kids along all the time and they have stayed in every hotel, swam in every pool, which is amazing when you're farm kid from North Dakota. And they get to order pizza, which is equally amazing when you live 50 miles from the nearest pizza delivery. They got to see what it is that I do, that I make strategic decisions that impact other people. They took their schoolwork along and they laid on the conference room floor of whatever hotel we were in or whatever meeting place, and they would do their work. You can do it if you're not home. I have a friend who works in a law office. She's a paralegal. And her work said, you know what? We have this back room. If you want to put a couple of desks in there or some beanbag chairs and your kids can work there. You may at first glance say, oh, it would never work. My employer would never let me. But my friend's employer said, we would love to have them. You know, they have their own space back there. And another family owns a small business, a lighting company. And their kids, uh, when they're done with their schoolwork and help with inventory, they know what an invoice is at age seven and why that's important. And so there are lots of ways to make it possible, even when you need to have a job and to work outside the home. It's still possible. Sometimes we kind of have to take off the stereotypes of the traditional mom or the traditional homeschool environment and apply it to a 21st century family and say what could be possible. That's really great, Annie. Thank you. Lindsay, what would be an advice or encouragement that you would share? I think as women in general, not even just homeschooling moms, we tend to put ourselves last. I think that is doubly true when you are taking on the education of your children and working. So my advice would be to make yourself a priority too. do something creative or something that fills your bucket because it's very easy to get lost in the shuffle and that will really lead to a lot of burnout, mental health issues. I've been there. It's not a pretty place to be. So I just always encourage moms, yes, this time with your kids will go very fast. Yes, it is a demanding time, but you're a whole human being who deserves love and care as well. And just don't forget that. Mm, So true. Harmony? Yeah, I think I would say, first of all, that you don't have to have it all figured out. None of us have it all figured out. And even when we think we have it figured out, it changes next week. (laughs) So you just need to begin. And if you want to do it, want to try it. I know I have a lot of friends who take it one year at a time and they say, we're going to do this for a year or a semester. And if it's not working, we can always put our kids back in school, find online school, do something else. A lot of people who outsource part or all of their kids' education, it works out okay. And sometimes they change from year to year. So just begin Take it one step at a time, build toward what you think will work and make adjustments. I love that line from Anne Shirley where she says, tomorrow is always fresh with no mistakes in it yet. And that is like my mantra because (laughs) something goes wrong every day. It's never perfect. And 
children are always changing. I rarely stick with something more than a few months before I say, we need to tweak this a little bit. Homeschooling is not static, just like our kids are not static. And if you can be flexible and kind of ride the wave and feel your way and get into a groove of doing that, then you'll be okay. That's really great advice. Ladies, I just want to thank you. It was so great talking with you tonight. I really appreciate you sharing about work and homeschooling and just being an example to those who might follow in your footsteps. You've been listening to the Relatable Homeschoolers podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find links to all the books and resources we mention on the show at our website, therelatablehomeschoolers.com. We would love to hear your homeschooling questions. You can email us at therelatablehomeschoolers at gmail.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at The Relatable Homeschoolers. We'd love it if you leave a rating and review for us on iTunes. It only takes a minute and we'll ensure more homeschooling mamas get to hear our show. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, happy homeschooling schooling.